Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Victor Mark Show. Today we're joined by a very special guest, a friend of mine, and I guess we can be called colleagues now. Absolutely. Oh, oh. we're talking about Dr. Robert Perkins. He's a professor of applied psychophysiology, and he's an expert on how trauma and stress will actually affect your body. He's the CEO for the Center of Chief Mental Health Officers, and he's a board-certified expert in traumatic stress and I mean, he's just well-known in the field, you guys. He's executive director of Ontario Critical Incident Stress Foundation, and he's on the board of directors of the Global Critical Incident Stress Foundation, which is no small thing. There's a lot more, I mean, from, and we're going to get into it, but basically you're an overachiever who has, who has <laughs> focused your efforts to helping people. And uh, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, it's awesome to be here. Now, uh, let me say this to my listeners. Some of you are reaching for the dial right now, just after the introduction, because you're thinking, I don't want to listen to, you know. Hey, uh, you guys, listen. What we're going to talk about today will interest you because everybody's been dealing with stress in a whole new way. When was the last time our country, our world was under this much stress regarding a, you know, a health issue that has caused a lot of problems from people being out of work to Churches being shut down to elections that people have been, you know, upset about. A lot of stuff going on. So the good doctor, I'm grateful that you're here today. And I thought we would just uh, get right into it. So let me let me ask you a question. All right. What is this PCTSS, post-COVID-19 traumatic stress syndrome? Are we just making up another name? To, you know, what, what is this? Well, PCTSS is uh, something I identified in April of uh, 2020. I don't want to classify it a mental illness, but, but certainly it is a condition uh, where people will manifest particular symptoms, depending on which particular group they're part of, um, as a direct result of the trauma and stress that they've been experiencing uh, in dealing with the pandemic. And I mind you, I wrote this a year ago, not knowing the pandemic was going to be this long. And it's broken down into basically four groups. Uh, there's your general populace, there's your emergency services personnel, there's your essential workers, and then there's your actual victims, people that have contracted the virus. And um, w what I noticed is, is that many people are manifesting, we'll call them PTSD-ish, uh, okay. like symptoms, but they, they're, they're not really meeting the, the criteria um, that we would diagnose someone as having a post-traumatic stress disorder because it's different. It's multiple complex layers of trauma that have been going on for the better part of a year with no end in sight. And so what happens is it becomes like a pressure cooker. And um, so I, I wanted to explain and, and just sort of point out the difference of these people. Uh, and these are civilian people. These are people that have not 
not being exposed to what we would normally define a critical incident when we think about military personnel or we think about emergency services personnel. This is here every day, uh, mom and dad, Joe and Mary, um, and they're having to go through all of these things and it's affecting them. Let's talk about kind of the average family. One, you've got kids out of school for a year, uh, which has caused tremendous stress. The, you know, there's like secondary, thirdary effects of all this. Parents that are stressed out, parents who maybe could work but can't because they have to watch the children. Then you got the dad out of work because everything's been shut down. Bills. And we both know these stimulus checks do not cut the mustard when it comes time for, you know, provision. And then you got grandma who's sick. Grandpa died of it. And then the uncertainty of... Do, are we wearing masks? Okay, why is one state wearing masks, the other isn't? It's, it is complex, and it's multi-layered, just like you said. So I know there are people listening right now going, yeah, I raised my hand on, we've experienced some level of stress on that. What is your recommendation for self-care, self-assessment? What do people need to do? Well, first of all, um, you have to be aware. And and many times when we're experiencing stress and trauma, uh, we may experience psychological, emotional, or physical symptoms. We haven't identified the fact that, oh, hey, you know what? It's because, um, you know, I may have been married for, for 10, 15 years. I've never spent this much consecutive time with my spouse and or my children in the same domicile in our entire marriage. This is something mm. new, you know, we, we're very routine. So having a level of awareness that um, what you're experiencing is a normal reaction to a very, very abnormal set of circumstances. And so the body is going to respond to stress and trauma. So when, first of all, what that does is that reinforces normalcy. You're not broken, there's nothing wrong with you. When you start to feel overwhelmed, when you start to get these symptoms, this is the equivalent of the check engine light coming on in the car. Mm. And it's saying, listen, there's something that needs some attention. We need to get it the attention that it needs so that we can be uh, restored to be able to perform optimally. So having a sense of awareness, number one, is very important. Number two, uh, we really have to deploy wellness tactics. We have to be well of what's sort of the major stressors or the things that are contributing to the stressors. And we, we have to be very proactive in doing things that are going to lessen that. Because all of those things that you listed, yes, those are stressors. But how about this? How about the person that religiously goes to the gym every single day? Gyms have been closed. How about the person that likes to go and, and, and worship in his place of, of, of faith? Can't do that. Uh, how about the person that's very, very social, likes to go out to dinner, likes to go to a restaurant or concerts? Can't do that either. So there are all these underlying uh, things that we really didn't know is all contributing into this big, big, big pot of stressors. So we have to be very proactive. We have to be aware um, that our body does have limitations. And when we reach those limitations, our body is going to let us know. Yep. I, I, I'll share a personal story. I started getting... Well, I'm pretty tight, both Eileen and I. And, uh, you know, there was a certain point where we started getting pretty fussy with each other and uh, wasn't normal, but I, I could start to see a pattern over a few days and things had crescendoed up to where finally we just had to say, hey, time out. Let's do a self-assessment. What are we so wound about? And it was exactly what we talked about. Timelines missed, expectations not made, and we felt it. And it was like, okay, just being aware made a difference, right? It let us breathe. 
One of the major symptoms of PCTSS um, is that um, it affects that part of your brain that regulates emotions. And so, you know, normally you might have, you know, a, a, the patience of Job, but, um, you know, people are going to, to line up at the target. Someone's not wearing a mask. They get into a, a fracas and someone gets shot like over, over these minor things. And so this is what you're going to start to see is these people with the inability to regulate their own sort of emotions and the reactions that they're giving. They're just not normal um, for a particular set of circumstances. I agree completely. Dr. Perkins, uh, not long ago, I had someone, it was last week, uh, write me on social media and say, please, would you do a podcast, do a story, make a video for those of us men that are struggling and about to just explode because they're at their wits end. What would you tell uh, a man listening at home right now? Well, everyone has to, you know, we've all seen, you know, in case of emergency, break glass uh, on the wall. And, you know, what's underneath that? You know, it could be a fire alarm, could be a fire extinguisher. I think every single one of us has to have one of those in case of emergency, break glass. And you have to identify, well, what's under that glass for you? So when you feel yourself reaching sort of that boiling point, um, you have to identify, first of all, there's nothing wrong with me. Uh, what's happening is I've been subjected to a large amount of stress and trauma. Um, I'm starting to reach my limit. So now I have to figure out something that I can deploy as stress buster or something that's going, an activity that's going to help reduce my stress. Now, if that stress is uh, as a direct result of interaction with your spouse or your maid or your, or your kids, then my first suggestion is, you know what, remove yourself from that situation, you know, go, go for a walk. But, you know, what we will find is that if we stop being reactive with stress busters and, and we are proactive, so we regularly integrate into our life things that are going to um, lessen our stress, both both our physical stress, uh, whether that's going outside, whether that's, you know, practice, you know, we use this term, you know, mindfulness, and, it, and it's become this really, really buzzword. And we think, oh, you know, this is sitting in a circle singing kumbaya or something. But really, you know, it's just taking that time um, to just sort of pause and, you know, and breathe and deploy, you know, what we call breathing-based practices. It's, it's bringing that homeostasis level um, to our body, making sure we have enough oxygen, that, we've, that we're expelling all of the CO2 and, and all of these normal things that, you know, when we get so caught up in the moment and all of the, the stressors of day-to-day -day and kids and jobs and everything else, you know, we're go, 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 go. The, body, the body's not going to last for a very long time before it's going to give you a signal that, hey, you know, Know what we can't carry on like this so you've, you've got to make some changes here man you're listening right now and what he is speaking is the truth so this breathing exercise let, let me give you an idea when i was shooting competitively or otherwise you you throw around into your weapon for me you know i was shooting at that time competitively we were at a, almost 550 yards out I was making shots I could put 10 rounds in the able target of a man, and it requires that you are very self-aware, your breathing matters, you tune everything out, you get centered, and have bread hold and squeeze till that round actually surprised you. And I say all that to say it works because we were using no optics. Those were hard sights when I was shooting at that team. You know, that that's a very good point because, uh, you know, 
in another lifetime, I was 14 years in the law enforcement field. I was a sergeant, I was an instructor, and I was a shooting instructor for police officers. There and, you, you know, we would go to the range and I would always have like these cocky guys. And let me tell you, when I started, we had a 38 revolver, okay, you know, the technology. Hello. A blind man can shoot a bullseye with a Glock if, if it's held properly. But, Completely. So, you know, you'd get these guys at the range and they're, they're almost doing like happy faces, you know, oh, look at how great I am. I said, okay. I said, so now what we're going to do, we're going to go outside. You're going to run down to the end of the parking lot. You're going to yeah. run back in and then come in, draw down and, and fire. And what you would see is these guys that were so good, all of a sudden they can't hit the bullseye if their life depended on it. And then I said, you know what? When you're in a situation where you may find yourself uh, having to use deadly force, that's exactly how your body is going to be responding. So you better have an understanding about how to compensate that and be aware of what the physiological responses of the body, how that can change something like marksmanship. You know, it's very, very important to be aware of these things. There's a lot of men listening right now going, well, you know, I find I'm not good at breathing. And when I want to relax, I just grab something to drink. And uh, and I understand alcohol can settle your nerves. But the problem is there has been an increase of addiction and alcoholism and just problems with alcohol that you had better be aware of. And practicing something as simple as what I would call mind hacks or brain hacks, put music on, sit down, get away. Just put music on, put your favorite, I don't care what it is, worship music, rock music, put it on and put yourself in a different place, control your breathing, go to your happy place. But you want to de-escalate when you're feeling wound up. And I'm talking from experience. Um, be careful about getting behind the wheel of a vehicle, uh, lest you get a little aggressive out on the roads. But some people like to just climb in a vehicle and just cruise. Do it, you know, if it's safe. But I hope these practical tips helped you. And then limit your intake of stimulants. You know, if, if you're pounding the coffee down, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your system. Now, here's a question I have for you. Uh, why has there been such a small success rate of treating PTSD? And now here we're going to take on PCTSS. I mean, it's like, oh, good Lord. How, how could this get worse? Well, that's a very good question. It's kind of a complex answer, and uh, I'm probably not going to be popular with a, with a many of my uh, colleagues in the profession uh, when I give you the answer. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, we're dealing with a Cartesian model of health. And if you say, well, what is that? Well, the Cartesian model of health and, and has been embraced in North America, you know, since really we've started practicing medicine, it, it says that, you know, the body is the body, the mind is the mind. If I'm my physical body is sick, I'm going to go see my physician. If I'm having a mental issue, I'm going to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And you, you've got this division between the physical body and the mental body. Um, the problem is, is that there are things within the physiological body uh, that can cause psychological issues and vice versa. There are psychological issues that can manifest. So uh, not incorporating a holistic model of health and when I say the word holistic, I'm not talking some hokey pokey. I, that just means the whole, the whole body 
uh, incorporating uh, a holistic model of health. That's number one. Number two, unfortunately, both mental health and practical medicine, this has become a business, specifically in the United States. There's no incentive for my practitioner to cure me quickly um, because the minute that I'm cured, guess what? I stop being a patient, which means I stop being a client, which means I stop paying him money. Into the okay. So the, the professionals are saying, hey, hey, easy. Don't pull back the curtain right there, sir. <laughs> and then you have Joe America and Susie Q going, that's right. Right. Well, but wait for it. But here comes the big one, right? All right. You know, um, big pharma, big pharma, Ooh. number Ooh. one opponent to any success in the treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder. We're talking $40 billion a year in prescription drugs that are being used um, wow. to, to treat people that have PTSD. And the problem is, is that if you have someone that has a terrible case of PTSD, there are two issues present. Number one, there's there are physiological symptoms where a person does not have control and that's causing them to be in this continual state of, of hypervigilance and panic. And then there's the issue itself. And so, you know, there are two components. We, we have to control the physiological symptoms. And then we also, we have to uh, take that person on a journey, have them revisit the trauma. And then we enact what's called reframing, which means that we give that person an opportunity to look at the traumatic event. We see what level of emotion that they've put on this. And we give them an opportunity to change that. Well, you can't do that until you control physiological symptoms. And what do you think is the number one response to controlling physiological symptoms of PTSD? It's big pharma, right? So let's say that I'm, oh, I'm taking my medication. And, and let me just say that there is a place for pharmaceutical medication. Absolutely. Um, but it's not the only solution. And, you know, I, I did so much work with the Marine Corps out in uh, Camp Lejeune. And I talking to these guys, these guys are taking handfuls of pills a day because, you know, the pill that makes them anxious, they take this one. But that, you know, it stops them from sleeping. So then they take that one that stops them from being able to get an erection. So now they got to take Viagra that's giving them headaches. So then they got so bad every single day they're taking these handfuls of pills. Well, that may control your physiological symptoms, and now you go into the reframe. Well, what happens when you stop taking those pills? You're back at mm. square one because you haven't taught them um, a skill set necessary to control their physiological body. Um, so, you know, it's a combination of all of those things uh, together. And not and understanding that, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, relatively uh, new issue. Um, it didn't become a big issue until after Vietnam. And, you know, we, we, we recognize that, you know, there are approximately between 55,000 uh, to 65,000 uh, people killed in combat. But by 1986, 117,000 committed suicide as a direct result of, of, of suffering from post-traumatic stress. So it was really only at that point where PTSD kind of got put on the map and said, okay, we need to figure out what this is and what we can do. But unfortunately, they didn't have an answer and, and they're kind of grasping at straws. I mean, even the own, uh, the, the American military, um, because they're trying everything. I mean, they're, they're giving people a fentanyl, ecstasy, right. electric shock. Right. Like they're just trying everything because they haven't truly understood really what the cause of the actual problem was. Yeah, 1986 is the year I was honorably discharged from the Marine Corps. And thank you for your service. Uh, you as well. I, I can tell you from then to this present point, I can remember addressing 
key leaders in the Pentagon, and they were saying, to their credit, we don't know what to do. We're not moving the needle. And recently, I just heard the 22 a day has actually moved up. I mean, that's the pandemic we need to be completely aware of and not forget in the midst of all this, because people with PTSD, uh, everything else just adds to it. And there's an increase. I mean, right now, active duty members of the armed forces on bases, almost every base are committing suicide weekly, every other week. People don't know this, but that's why we've been out speaking. That's why we produce resources like Triggered, uh, the film, and why you're here on the program today. So with all that said, on that point, what is the answer? Well, before I answer that, you know, 22 to 25 veterans a day is sort of what we're looking at now. But also, a lot of people don't understand this. Number one cause of death of police officer in North America is suicide. The suicide Mm -hmm. rate of police officers is double all of the other deaths. So you take all the officers that were shot or stabbed during car accidents or, or you take that number, you double it. And those are the number of police officers that commit suicide as a result of PTSD every year. And that, that has been a, a continual statistic for the last decade and a half. So mm. the answer is not simple, although it is. Um, the answer is, you know, if we see something that's not working, stop it or start to at least look uh, for for another uh, alternative. Um, we have to break the mold of the sort of traditional Cartesian model of health. We have to incorporate that sort of holistic model, and we have to look at things outside the box. If we've done everything possible within our own sort of, the, all of the tools that were on our tool belt, you know, we, do we need to go to the hardware store and start looking for some more tools? But there are some things that um, have been found specifically to do uh, with the regulation of breathing and, and, and levels of, of CO2 in our body that have been clearly identified as being the primary cause of physical symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And those are things that can be overcome without medication, without continual endless, uh, you know, cognitive therapy sitting on the couch with the counselor or the, or the psychiatrist. These are very simple things, but because they're very simple things and because they don't cost very much, they're not promoted because Mm -hmm. they don't, they don't fit within the business model of, of PTSD. PTSD is big business. Cancer is big business. All of these things are big business. And, you know, I I don't mean to, to sound, but you know, we, to talk about cancer, if you look at the millions and billions of dollars, the access of technology that exists today, and we cannot find a cure for cancer, we found COVID in a year. Um, I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, 100% agreeance. It's definitely shady. And I think the American people, people in general, are asking the same questions. I would never say shady. I would say it's questionable. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I'm me. <laughs> and, I, th- you know, I think Americans are really definitely, and people everywhere are asking the right questions, they're questioning authority, and the status quo, because things can be better. Now, there's some things I want to talk to you about, uh, from what causes male deviant behavior, uh, how can we as a society and culture guard our youth from the perils of mental health? Because teenagers are committing suicide at an alarming rate. There's some real critical things that we need to talk about. And we weren't able to address them on today's episode. So could you stay around? Absolutely. Tomorrow, all right. Before we go off the air, you want to know, how can I find out more 
about my guest, Dr. Robert Perkins, uh, a professor of applied psychophysiology and an expert on trauma and stress, how it affects the body. He has a website I'll direct you to. It's G-C-I-S-F, as in golf, Charlie, India, Sierra Foxtrot.org. Folks, check it out. Of course, you can go to VictorMarks.com. That's Victor Marks with an X to find out more as well. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, uh, be encouraged, be strengthened, be filled with hope because of God's truth and love. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of Him, full throttle. And we'll see you next time on the program. So go get it done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time. Thank you.